Welcome to the Movie Magoos. My name is Rory Noak, occasional filmmaker, occasional screenwriter, frequent movie watcher. Welcome to the review for Mission Impossible Fallout. I got that feeling that something rank is going down out there. It's the Movie Magoos Film Reviews Show. Sonny, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. What's that? It's super fresh. What the hell, you're an idiot. I am a meat popsicle. The easy way. I gotta mention this podcast is recorded at the best podcasting studio in the whole world. It's called Podbooth. That's podbooth.com.au. I love it. It's so comfortable. Okay, moving on. Mission Impossible Fallout. There was a lot of buzz in the cinema for this one. A lot of positive vibes. People were ready. I had people singing the theme tune before the lights even went down. All week I've had people coming up to me and asking, are you going to review the Mission Impossible on your show? I've been watching them over and over. You know, it's a pretty good series. Well, yes, of course. Hell yeah, I'm going to be seeing it. I've seen all those Mission Impossible films several times over, even the second one. The one everyone thinks is a bit iffy. I like that one too. Give me some of that John Woo slow motion and limp biscuit. Alright, possibly I've lost a little bit of cred there as a film critic, so I'd best move on quickly. The lights go down. The war drums start. I am psyched! Here's the synopsis. Ethan Hunt and the IMF team join forces with CIA assassin August Walker. Agent Walker, special activities. His reputation precedes. To prevent a disaster of epic proportions. The greater the suffering, the greater the peace arms dealer John Lark and a group of terrorists known as the Apostles plan to use three plutonium cores for a simultaneous nuclear attack on the Vatican, Jerusalem and Saudi Arabia. When the clock stops, Ethan Hunt will lose everyone he ever cared about. When the weapons go missing, Ethan and his crew find themselves in a desperate race against time to prevent them from falling into the wrong hands. Yes, it's the old nuclear weapons have gone missing. We better find those bombs. Plot again. Now the world is at risk. I'm sure I've seen this plot before. Oh, yeah, I remember. It was in American Assassin and Broken Arrow and Goldeneye and A Good Day to Die Hard and Salt and The Spy Who Loved Me and The Sum of All Fears and Stealth and Superman and Superman 4 and The Expendables 2 and World Is Not Enough and Octopussy and The Peacemaker. And I think even in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, just to name a few. I prayed to God that it wasn't true. So, yes, those darn nukes are missing again. So Ethan and his team had better go and find them. But somehow it still works. Everything just gets bigger and more impossible as it goes along. Showtime. Oh, my God. Christopher McQuarrie, the writer-director of this one and the previous Mission Impossible, knows that these films are at their best when the missions themselves are going totally pear-shaped. Watching Ethan Hunt and his team improvise their way out of increasingly impossible situations is ridiculously entertaining. Sometimes it's big and fun, and other times they play it serious with, like, no music at all. This is a big film. I looked into it. You see, in film production, every time the camera's all set up for a scene, they do a bit, then they move it over to here, and they do another bit, then they move it to a different angle, and they do another bit. Each one of those bits is called a setup. 
This film had 3,000 setups. 3,000. It also had 13 helicopters, four weeks of aerial photography. It shot across three continents and survived two winters. It's kind of amazing that they were even able to fit all this film into one movie. You use a scalpel. I prefer a hammer. It is the longest movie in the franchise so far, coming in at about two and a half hours, but it, it's just so well balanced that it never feels long. The bits of drama between the missions are compelling. There's plenty of suspense the leading up to all the action scenes, and the action scenes themselves are wildly varied in scope and tone, which keeps it interesting. You go rogue, he's been authorized to hunt you down and kill you. That's the job. It's got unique gizmos too. They get to drive a car by remote using an app on a phone. Yes, this is why I'm here. This whole movie is filled with, ooh, wow, cool moments. Moments I've just never seen before. Moments like Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill halo jumping and dealing with a mid-fall emergency. And it's all done in one take. The camera never cutting away and never letting us forget that this is really happening. These actors are really falling and we are watching it all play out in real time in one shot. I'm, I'm holding my breath. It is amazing to see. They have used a few special effects here to amplify the danger. These guys aren't just falling through the air anymore. Now they're falling through a lightning storm. Altitude, 25,000 feet. Tom Cruise isn't racing a motorbike through a city with no helmet anymore. Now he's racing through busy city traffic. There's cars racing everywhere. The visual effects here are good, but I can kind of tell when it's not real. It takes what's already kind of impossible and makes it a bit unbelievable. The audience can tell when something's been cheated, so it's important to be doing it all for real. However, all that being said, I'm still into it. It was still good fun to watch. Winner out. Ten. And speaking of special effects, there's a nightclub scene where Tom Cruise weaves his way through the crowd. He's tracking down a target. Tom Cruise is looking tall. I don't think we're dealing with a special effect here. I think the casting directors put one of those little signs by the door saying, you must be this high to enter. So all the tall people, you're out! This is a bad idea. Is it ever a good one? Honestly. All right, back to the movie. Henry Cavill and his excellent moustache is assigned to keep watch on Ethan Hunt. I'm a big fan of both of these actors, so it's great to get to see them go head to head. We gotta talk. Need to rethink this. Out of my way, Hunt. The dialogue is really sharp and edgy and kind of funny. What's done is done when we say it's done. It's also great getting to see these guys get their asses kicked. One of the targets that they're going after is this little Chinese man and they corner him in the bathroom. This is a guy who's credited as our fight coordinator on several Star Wars films. So you know this is the guy who's got the moves. And he's whooping Tom Cruise's ass and Henry Cavill's ass all over the bathroom. Tom and Henry are exhausted and this guy, he's ready for more. It's like I said in the beginning of the review. It's fun watching these missions go pear-shaped. And that fight is the perfect example. And we almost get a classic Tom Cruise freak out right there in the bathroom. 
Small side note, Lian Yang, the stuntman turned actor in these scenes, isn't credited on this movie. Uh, I'm not sure why. I looked into it. He's not listed on the IMDb credits, not even as a stunt performer. Super weird. I had to Google deep to even find out what this guy's name was. Weird. Anyway, moving on. Alec Baldwin is back and he's lost weight. Good on you, Alec Baldwin. I prayed to God that it wasn't true. There's one scene I want to talk about. It's not a major scene in the movie, but it's just something that I really struck me as just beautifully shot. It's a scene where you get to see how a heist might play out if it's out of Ethan's control. It's like a dream. The entire scene plays out as we follow him. We're tracking along behind Tom Cruise uh, as he decides whether or not this is the way he wants it to play out or not. This scene, in fact, this whole film is wonderfully cinematic. Not just cinematic in like big sweeping sunsets, but cinematic in directorial style. Christopher McQuarrie's direction really establishes an emotion, the way his camera will move through a scene. Sometimes it's smooth and wide angle and steady cam and it's tracking along with them all low angles and cool and whipping around corners with the team like they're in total control. And in other times, the camera becomes far more handheld and long lenses and everything's far more compressed and it's all emphasising the perilous nature of the moment that they're in. Those are just two examples, but there is a wide display of emotive direction going on here that really emphasises just how good and how effective Christopher McQuarrie is as a filmmaker. What the hell is he doing? I find it best not to look. The same could be said for his choices in sound design. That fight scene I described earlier is made all the more impactful because there's no music in that scene at all. Every punch and every grunt and every crack and thump can be heard. We actually hear the characters becoming more and more fatigued as they take on this impossibly good fighter. There's also a car chase that goes wildly out of control and there's no music in that scene either. It's all skids and engine and desperation. And it's great to have that as a counterbalance to those exciting percussive and theme music scenes. It's just a well-balanced film. Good music too. I should mention the music. This is Lorne Balf. The classic Mission Impossible theme is never far from what we're hearing and it's probably my favourite adaptation of the theme that we've had so far. He makes it sound thunderously exciting. Even better than Limp Biscuit. Now, this wouldn't be a Mission Impossible film without a few twists and reveals. There's a scene where it all gets very confusing, because we may or may not be dealing with a double cross that's pretending to be a twist that turns out to be real, but it isn't, and there may be a mask involved, and... Yeah, I'm totally confused. You don't understand what you're involved in. You need to walk away. Thankfully, they move on from that fairly quickly and we get on with Act 3, the all hope is lost moment. Now that we have, you know, oh, somebody's dead now and now it's personal. Now they only have one chance to save the day. Uh, it's all or nothing. It's a little bit screenplay 101, but it does work. And it does lead into an end climax that is so incredible and so impossible that it becomes fantastically fun to watch. We get Tom Cruise running. We got Tom Cruise dangling from helicopters and flying helicopters and rolling down mountains in helicopters. It's awesome. And if I'm to believe the publicity, they did a lot of this stuff for real. I'm not sure if Tom Cruise has a death wish, but the films are far better for it. 
I'm conflicted. I kind of want to encourage him to keep doing these films, but I kind of feel guilty in case he dies. And the blood will be on your hands. Just a side note on that helicopter scene. There's a couple of really weird looking shots in there that look like Benny Hill sequences. They've got the helicopters in there spiralling down this canyon and it all kind of looks sped up. It's a bit bizarre. I'm not sure why they left that in the movie. Maybe they thought no one would notice. I noticed. I wasn't looking for it, but it just sort of stood out to me. Anyway, once we passed that, we got onto the real end climax. And this, like I mentioned, just gets bigger and bigger and more audacious and more spectacular as it went. And that's what I want from a movie like this. I want to be dazzled. I want to be pumped. Woo! <laughs> I was. It was awesome. <laughs> I left the cinema and my adrenaline was peaking. I was actually a bit giddy. I was getting tingles all down my arms and I was feeling so good. I ran into this dude I know while I was walking out of the cinema and I, and I could barely string a sentence together. It was like, oh, what about that bit when they were rolling down the hill and the bit in the car chase with no music and the bit when he fell out of the helicopter? Oh my God, wasn't that awesome? <sighs> breathe, Rory, breathe, breathe. This has been a long review, so perhaps it's time to get on with my final thoughts. Mission Impossible Fallout. I had to take a few days just to calm down before recording this review. I was way overexcited. <laughs> Wait, let me try that again. Mission Impossible Fallout. It was a crowd pleaser. You can always tell when the crowd is satisfied because no one is in any rush to leave their seats. I was surrounded by enthusiastic adults who were all excitedly debriefing the entire film. This film is the very definition of crowd pleaser. Those trailers that we'd seen, they hadn't ruined any of those big moments. That actually under-promised. The balance between the action and suspense and drama and humour were note-perfect. It delivered. It over-delivered. Some may say over-the-top, and it is. Whatever, that's what we want from a Mission Impossible film. So I have no real complaints. Oh wait, one small complaint. I wish that included that scene from the trailer where the semi is skidding out of control that looks like, oh my god, we're going to crash. I don't know why. It wasn't in the movie. Not at all. I can't even figure out where it would have fit. Weird. Anyway, the film over-delivered in so many other areas that I can forgive and forget. Mission Impossible Fallout. My favourite of the entire franchise. The only thing I want now is another one. Bring it on, Tom. Please don't die. What are you waiting for? I'm jumping out a window! Oh, sorry. Good luck. And that brings us to the end for my Mission Impossible Fallout review. Hope you've enjoyed it. I've had a jolly old time recording it here at Podbooth in Adelaide. That's podbooth.com.au. I've reviewed quite a few Tom Cruise films now. They're all still available on my back catalogue on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or, or whatever your preferred platform for podcasts is. Thanks again for joining me. My name is Rory and this is the Movie Magoos. Film Reviews.